This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Man, isn't it good to have something stable in this life? Isn't it good to have something that never, ever changes? You know, we live in such a society in such a time of... Things always have to change. Things always have to be upgraded. You can you can go out and spend thousands of dollars on the latest and greatest, and then by next week it's old and no good anymore, and and you're not cool if you've got that one. And praise God, Jesus isn't like that. He's never changed ever, and and he doesn't need to change because he's already as good as it gets. You can't improve on Jesus. Am I right on that tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, tonight uh, we got a, you know, man, something God laid on my heart. Actually, I had written a message and uh, this afternoon God totally just switched me up and sent me another direction. So here's where we're going to go. Go ahead and throw that up there, Heather. Tonight is our salute to consistent folks. Yeah, come on. There we go. Yeah. You know, I want to give a shout out to uh, an often overlooked group in our society. Consistent people. Stable people, people that, you know, can just they're good at doing the same thing every day over and over again. Now, often consistent people, they get overlooked by someone that that may be flashy or someone that may be famous or someone that may be talented in some area. And and, and those people, they're like, you know, a little back in Indiana, we played with a lot of fireworks. We get the bottle rockets out there and you'd light it and put it in your root beer bottle and it would shoot up in the air and do a little pop and like, wow, that was cool. But then it was over. I mean, that's all the fire you had was one little bang. But I've also done a lot of camping where you just got a nice, consistent fire. Nothing too grand, nothing too glorious about it. But man, it keeps you warm all night. You can roast your marshmallows on it. You can cook your fish. On. It's just consistent, man. It's awesome. And, and 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 my favorite people in this world aren't the famous. They aren't the rich. They aren't they aren't the flashy It's people like we have on a Sunday night that they're just consistent Christians. They show up to church. They read their Bible. They talk to Jesus every day. They raise their kids godly. They do things God's way. That's the best people in this world. If I'm going to be surrounded by if I had to just go out and hand pick who my my group is going to be, if I had to go out and hand pick whom I'm going to surround myself with, it would be people like we have right here tonight. And I wouldn't go to Hollywood to surround myself, that's for sure. I definitely wouldn't go to Washington, D.C. I wouldn't go down to... I mean, I'm telling you, I would go someplace like a good, stable, Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church and find people that can still be the same person on Monday that they were on Sunday morning when they were saying hallelujah. I'd find people that could that could live the Christian life for longer than three weeks at a time. I'd find people that raised some godly kids and now they're a good grandma and grandpa. That's who I'd find. And that's who I want to give a shout out tonight to is stable and consistent people because there's not a whole lot of them in our world. And on top of that, they're awesome. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few notes, take a few, uh, a look through the Bible at some people that that they may not have seemed by the outward appearance as some major superstar. But when it came down to it, they got the job done because they just did what they always do. And and let me just my dad hit on this a little bit this morning. But if I could speak from the heart to you and just let you know, man, if you want to get ahead in life, if you want to really be a success, you just need to master and get good at the little disciplines of being a Christian. You just you need you, you just need to be somebody that can read your Bible every day. And I'm serious. Every, seven days a week. You spend time in the word. And I realize not everybody can take five or six hours and just pour over the scripture. And I know you've got a job, you've got kids, you've got a life, but you do have time seven days a week to read the Bible. There's nobody in here that just cannot. There's no solid enough excuse that you could feed me as to why. And I mean, I understand you miss a day every now and then, whatever. But but I'm talking about if you want to be something, if you want to get somewhere in life, if you really want the blessing of God, you're going to have to just start to get a hold of these simple, basic fundamentals. We've got people trying to slam dunk and shoot half court shots and they can't even hit a layup all the time. They can't even shoot free throws. Seriously, am I right? 
you know, I've coached Joseph helped me coach basketball this year some and every little kid that's that's playing basketball in our day and age. They see Steph Curry, so they want to shoot half court shots. And he's a freak of nature that can actually do it all the time. But the average person can't do that all the time. And so we've got all these eight year olds that they just want to touch the ball and throw it up there. And I'm like, no. You do that, you're out of the game because that's stupid. You gotta hit free throws first. You gotta be able to hit a layup before you can shoot a three pointer. Don't be going for the dunk if you can't even hit a two foot shot. And we've got Christians trying to do that. Lord, launch me out into a worldwide ministry. Lord, if you could just give me a million dollars right now, I'd tell you what I'd do. No, you wouldn't. Would not. Calling your bluff right now. I remember growing up as a pastor's kid, I knew all these people that, uh, you know, I don't know why people always say this, you know, well, I'll tell you what, Reverend, they say to my dad, preacher, I'll tell you what right now, if I ever win the lottery, if I ever hit it big, I'm, I'm praying that I will. If I ever do tell you what, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to go down there and build you a real nice church. <clears throat> no, you're not. You're not. If, if you won't show, if you won't even go to church, if you won't even, if you won't even tithe off of the hundred dollars you make right now, that is a lie from the pit of hell that you're going to write a million dollar tithe. You will not. And there's a bunch of, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, listen, I'm preaching to the choir. I'm not sucking up. I'm being honest. We got just solid Christians here, but this is, this is for those listening on the podcast this week. We'll say that. Okay. And so I'm saying, if you can't even show up to God's house, don't tell him you're going to go build him one. If you can't even be faithful in the little things, don't be asking God to launch you out into the big things because he'll never do it. Why? Because that would violate his word. He said that that those that are faithful in the little, he'll make ruler over much. So there's no way that if you can't be faithful with this little thing, that God's just going to give you a whole great big thing. He wouldn't do it or else he'd be a liar. And so I'm telling you right now, the consistent people, the stable people, the people that really go somewhere in life are those that they just master the fundamentals. They get really good at the basics and they do it all the time, all the time, all the time. And they are masters because, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me go to point number one. Let me go to point number one. And that's this. This is our salute to consistent folks. All right, number one. What, are, what can we learn from consistent people? Well, they always do the same thing, but they don't get bored. Because, listen, I know a lot of ADD people, and I hesitate to say that I myself sometimes fall into that category. It's a, it's hard to pay attention, you know, when someone's, you know, is talking and, you know, your mind wanders and you start thinking about stuff. But listen, consistent people, stable people, real warriors in the army of God, they always do the same thing. They're just consistent, but they don't get bored with it. Kidding me? Another church service? Then I, 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 they're talking about forgiving your enemies again. I've heard that a thousand times. Man, if I had a nickel for every time, my gosh. If you're someone that gets bored with, with hearing about how you gotta love your neighbor or, 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 or you get bored with hearing, you know, well, I've heard that topic. I, I've heard about studying the Word of God. I, I've heard, if you just get bored with this stuff, you're not ever, that tell, that identifies you right there. You're not a stable person. You're not a stable Christian. Because stable Christians, Man, I'm telling you, they can always do the same thing, but they don't get bored with it. And let me tell you this right here. When you are stable at doing the same thing over and over again, you won't choke in the heat of battle. That's a good word right there. I'm just going to say that. That, listen to me, when you get good at the fundamentals, when you can do the same thing over and over again, and you're not bored with it, you're, you, you're, you can do it over and over again, that's the type of person that I want going to battle with me because when the enemy shows up, when all of hell is raging in the battle, you won't choke and forget how to use your rifle. You know, I love my brother being a Marine. They are, they know, I mean, they know their rifle. They can take it apart. They can put it back together. They, 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 they love it. They're in love with, it's everything to them. They, and, and, and he knows about this stuff, man. He is, he, he, he's got that thing down. He knows everything about his rifle. Why is that? Well, do you want someone when the enemy's firing at you to say, oh, wait a minute, how is it? Where are those bullets at? How, how do you put those in there? Uh, what, 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 what do we do? I don't want someone that's going to choke. I want someone that's like, oh man, 
I've been doing this in my sleep for years. I'm ready. Let's do this right now. You know, I think of the great Larry Bird. Dave's dressed like the Celtics tonight, so the great Larry Bird. Um, well, Larry, <laughs> Larry Bird, listen, Larry Bird is uh, grew up in a small little town called French Lick, Indiana. I've been there. It's tiny. There's like a couple of hundred people. There's nothing there. Well, Larry, uh, he, he started to realize that he's, he's okay at basketball. He's getting okay at basketball. But here's what happened with Larry Bird. His sophomore year of high school, he broke his leg. And he had to sit out the entire season. But he didn't take that as an opportunity like most people would do. Like, well, I guess that's, that's that. I guess I'll just, you know, if I'm going to keep cracking, I'll grab the fire. But anyway, uh, he's like, you know, most people would take this as an opportunity to uh, give up. As an opportunity to, well, I guess I'll just get ready, you know, sit it out and be ready for next year. What did he do? Every morning of the school year, he got a ride to the gym. He would walk on crutches into the gym and shoot 500 free throws. You don't have to be able to run to shoot a free throw. He, he would shoot 500 free throws every single morning before school started. Everybody else was in bed. Nobody even knew that he was doing it, but he did it every day. Don't you think that would get boring after an entire school year? You've got eight months of just nothing else. He can't work on anything else. He can't work on running drills. He can't work on anything except standing in one spot and shooting 500 times, going up there, getting your own rebound hours every morning. Well, the team made it to the sectionals of the state uh, basketball tournament that year, and Larry hadn't played in months. Well, they were getting down to the end of the game. The coach knew, well, I know he says he's been practicing, so he puts him in at the last few minutes because he's tall. And so Larry grabs a rebound and gets fouled. And everybody's like, oh, great. We're sending him to the line? Larry Bird? Well, later on, you know, that sounds like, yeah, that's who you want. But they're like, they're sending Larry to the line? This guy's a touch to basketball in months. Well, what they did, you never underestimate a consistent person. Because while you were sleeping, they were up there at the gym practicing. They didn't tell everybody about it because when you're just stable and consistent, you don't have to broadcast it to the world because you're not doing it for their approval. You're just doing what you know to do. And so he gets in there. He gets fouled. They're in the they're in the bonus. Hits both free throws. They win the game. The crowd goes wild. And this guy that hadn't touched a ball in eight months somehow out of nowhere came and hit these free throws. It's a miracle. No, it's not. He's just doing what he always did every day. Second nature. Everybody else is bored with it. He was just doing what he always did. And then in the heat of battle, he didn't choke. He just did what he always did. I wish I had some uh, some Christians that could just use their Bible just like that. And I, I, I do. But I mean, what if you were just that good that, I, you know, I'm reading this. I mean, I, life's perfect right now. I don't know why I keep studying this. Listen, you'll know someday why you were shooting those free throws at four o'clock in the morning. You made it. Well, I'm studying. Pastor keeps preaching on this same topic all the time. And I don't know why. Shut it. Just be happy that someone's speaking into your life. And so here he is every day, same thing. And when push came to shove, he was ready. Where are you at spiritually? Are you in that same spot where you can do the same thing over and over, not get bored with it, but then when the enemy shows up, when the devil attacks, when it happens, are you ready? Come on, that's that's for that's for you right there. That's for somebody that you've got to get consistent. That's your whole problem in life is that you aren't stable and consistent. And so I want to look at someone here uh, that is an excellent example of this, and that's Daniel. So let's look over here at Daniel chapter six, Daniel chapter six. Who loves Daniel? Man, Daniel, he's awesome. And what's the best part about Daniel, we know that God gave him an unusual uh, intelligence. He was more intelligent than his peers. He, he was gifted in that way. But what I love about Daniel is simply that he was a consistent individual. You know, if you're not familiar with the story, but you probably are, we've got a guy here that's 100% committed to God. 
He does the exact same thing every day, seven days a week. He prays three times a day with his window opened toward Jerusalem. Whether it's hot outside, whether it's cold outside, whether it's sunny or rainy, day or night, good mood, bad mood, rich, poor, feeling good, not feeling good. Whatever is going on, Daniel just does the same thing every day. And everybody else is probably, man, that Daniel guy, should, you want to invite him out tonight? No, he's boring. He, he never wants to do anything different. He does the same thing every day. He, he's, he's stuck in such a he's stuck in such a rut. He never wants to do anything new. And, I, you know, I like to do new things. I like to be adventurous, but I don't like to do new things that take me away from my habits, that take me away from the word of God, that take me away from my prayer time. And so here's Daniel doing the same thing he's always done. And because of that, his peers, they get jealous. They, Daniel's advancing. He's he's getting promoted. God is shining upon him. And everybody else is like, man, what's up with this guy? They get jealous. And so you're, you're familiar with this story. They have the king make a law that you can't pray to anybody except the king himself. And so let's see what Daniel does. Let's see if this throws him off. Let's see if this kind of rocks his world a little bit. We're looking at Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I love that. That's that's not deep. That's not an earth shaking revelation. Daniel didn't go out to his window and get a you know get a loudspeaker and and pray to try to rub it into everybody's face. He didn't go out and try to cause a ruckus, but he also didn't keep quiet. He just did what he always did. Man, that's consistency. No more, no less. Just what he always did. He went home as usual, opened the window toward Jerusalem and prayed three times a day, just like he always did. Consistency. And as you know, well, what happened? He was ready for battle when it came because the battle did come. That takes the devil off. The devil doesn't like consistent people. The devil doesn't like consistent. Now, he loves the lukewarm Christians. He'll steal their lunch and pop the bag all day long. <laughs> Blow in their face, smack them around. The devil, he's fine with lukewarmers, half-bakes, inconsistent, unstable Christians. He's fine with them because they're no serious threat to his kingdom. You give me a consistent Christian, you give me a grandma that'll pray three times a day and show up to church and still teach those kids that Bible lesson when it's her turn to teach children's church that Sunday. You show me a woman like that and the devil is terrified because he can huff and puff. He can threaten her and she's going to say, are you kidding me? I'm going to do what I always do and you're going to be exposed like you're always exposed. I'm going to pray and read my Bible, show up to church and do my thing. And it's no big deal. The devil's terrified of that. And so Daniel, of course, gets arrested, gets thrown into the to the to the den of lions here. Let's look at verse 16. But Daniel, do you think Daniel was caught off guard? Do you think he was scared? Do you think Daniel was like, what am I? No, he was totally prepared. Verse 16, it says, so at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Well, even the heathen king, that pagan king said, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. Everybody knew that Daniel was faithful. Everybody could see it from the from the Jews to the pagans. Everybody knew that Daniel was faithful. Verse 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. We all know how this ends, but let's just let's get into this. I love it. He Hurries out there. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully 
able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king! Yes! Yes! Absolutely no doubt about it, man! Why'd you doubt it? Of course! Long live the king! My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. What's, what's this story about? It's about consistency. Do you think Daniel was shocked when, when the lions didn't eat him? No. No. He was just shooting free throws. He was just doing what he always did. Like, man, same thing I do every day. I mean, you know, I'm just, I've been practicing, but here's the real battle. I'm just going to do what I've always done. I'm just going to get down there and pray three times a day. I'm just going to do what I've always done. No big deal. And when the attack came, he was ready. You know what terrifies me? I see so many good Christians that I guarantee you they are not ready for the attack. And what's even worse is that they think they are. You know, there's some people, they'll straight up admit, I tell you, I'm not where I should be with God. And I, I, I know, if so, I, I know that I'm just not totally, hey, that's bad. But thank God you at least recognize it. What's worse is someone that's so oblivious to the truth that they think, oh, yeah, I'm ready, man, I can handle it. The enemy shows up and says, boo. And I mean, they pee their pants and they're, they're, they're running to the hills. Because they are not prepared. Daniel was the, the the battle of a lifetime, but he was he was he'd been, he was practicing for this for years. And when the attack came, he was fully able to handle it. He was just doing what he always did. He prayed when no one felt like it. He read the the word when no one felt like it. He showed up to church when no one felt like it. Daniel just did what Daniel did. And when the attack came. He dominated the enemy. And those accusers, they themselves got thrown into that pit that they had made for him. Come on, let's hear it for, let's hear it for consistent, stable people tonight. And so they can, they can do the same thing over and over. But the second thing I want to say as we give our salute to consistent folks is that they don't quit when it gets tough. Now, there's a lot of things that I can stand. There's a lot of things that I can handle and, 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 and get by with. But I have a hard time with a quitter. I have a hard time with somebody that's tasted and seen that the Lord is good. But then they aren't faithful to Him. I have a real hard time with someone that God has absolutely brought them out of the pit. Rescued them. Changed their life. And then they can't even pay him the common courtesy, the, the basic respect to read their Bible, to pray, to show up to his house, to, to simply obey simple scriptures like love thy neighbor as thyself, to do unto other. I mean, just basic elementary stuff. Yet God has absolutely rescued them and they can't they can't even pay him back with a little respect. Now, again, preaching to the choir, don't look so down. But what I'm saying is, that's a bad spot to be in. Consistent people do not quit when it gets tough. And I've known so many people that every time something bad happens, they want to blow up their whole life and start over again. Well, I'll tell you what we need to do. We just need a, we need a fresh start. No, you don't. You need to finish the last 20 starts that you had. Right? What about the last fresh start that the Lord gave you? What about the last fresh start that you had? We need to finish that one. We need to graduate from preschool before we can get to kindergarten, before you can go to the next level. We had a great time of prayer tonight over there. And, uh, man, the Lord just laid some scriptures on my heart that I really, I just really got into. But, but I'm praying right now in my life to see Christians start to mature because I if I could describe my calling in one basic thing is I just want to be a disciple maker because there's a lot of people that are you know there's plenty of people doing this plenty of people doing that but in Matthew 28 
I took it very personally when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Because there's a lot of people, and we've preached on this so many times, that just want to make converts. They just want to get a bunch of numbers. And I've seen a lot of great big churches that have very few actual disciples in them. And I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in a 10,000 member church with only 20 disciples in it. I'm interested in a church right here in Barstow, California, that has people so dedicated to Jesus that they'll pray three times a day. They'll read their Bible every morning. They'll show up to God's house every time the doors are open. And then when the government comes and says, you can't do that, they say, okay, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this. And, and, and I'm still going to. And then they say, we'll throw you in a den of lions if you don't quit. And they say, bring it on. I've been prepared for this for the last 10 years. Give me the lions. Give me the furnace. They're ready to go. Tell you right now, a convert will not do that. They'll fold under the pressure every single time. A disciple will stand up to the king. A disciple will stand up to the lion's den. But I know a lot of people, they say they would, but they won't. When push comes to shove, whenever there's a real threat, whenever, there's a, whenever the lions are right there, if you won't serve God in the easy times, when everything's good and gravy, you think that you really think that when you've got a serious, legitimate threat against your life, that you're going to do it then? No. No. I mean, if you aren't willing to confess Jesus in a, in a, in a, in a group of a friendly church like this, but then you really want to say that, well, I'd take a bullet for Jesus. Stop lying to yourself, man. You wouldn't do it. If you can't even get up to read your Bible for him, you really think that when there's a serious, legitimate threat against your life, you think when someone says, I'm going to offer you this pay right here, you'll just come this way a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to pull you away from God. It's going to, you know, your kids will only see you, you know, a few hours a week or maybe every other month or whatever. But this is a big paycheck right here. Watch yourselves. I'm talking about consistent, stable people. They know how to say no. They know how to keep their yeses. And, 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 and our entire goal is to make disciples that are able to stand up when it gets tough. Because I can tell you this much. Someone that can't even consistently serve God, they may lie to themselves. They may lie to you. But they can't lie to God and get away with it. He knows that they'll fold when the pressure comes. You know, there's a saying that I use, and uh, and uh, and I've heard, I didn't make it up, but again, preaching to the choir, okay, it's not for everyone here, but I'm just saying this. I've heard people say, don't say that you'd go to jail for your faith if you won't even go to church for your faith. That's just, that's real, right? That's the truth. Don't lie. Don't say that when it's absolutely not true. We need stable and consistent people that don't quit, that don't fold up shop, that don't move every time things don't go their way. I've lived in three different states, and everywhere I've lived, people are the exact same. White people, black people, Mexican people, everybody's the same. Everywhere you go, whether you want to hear that or not, you know, well, I'll tell you what, I get, I'll move, move me back to New York, or move me back to Indiana, move me back. You're going to run into the same trouble there, friend. Why? Because when you move, you're taking you with you. And it turns out it wasn't everybody else that was the problem. It was you and your inconsistent self. You got, listen, a consistent person, they can live a fine life anywhere you put them. A consistent, stable person that they'll, they'll serve God. They'll, they'll thrive anywhere you put them because it doesn't have to do with their outward surroundings. It has to do with their heart. It's a heart thing. And a consistent person, move you move me to, to the Africa, move me to Iraq, wherever. I guarantee you I'll do the same thing that I do here in Barstow. I'll get up, I'll read my Bible, I'll pray, I'll talk to my children about God, I'll show up to whatever worship place that I have available to me in the name of Jesus, and, and just do the same thing that I've always done. Why? Because it's in my heart, and it's in your heart. You people will do the same thing too, and I know that. Because... 
It's in your heart. And so stable people, they don't quit. Let's look at some of Daniel's best buddies here. Daniel chapter three. Let's flip back there. Daniel chapter three. Who wants another good Bible story? Yeah. Daniel chapter three. Verses 14 through 18. Daniel chapter three. Verses 14 through 18. And here we have Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Very familiar story. I know this isn't groundbreaking, earth shaking revelation to anybody here. But we have these three guys that are Daniel's best friends and they have something in common. They're consistent. They just serve God, whether it's convenient, not convenient, whether they're getting made fun of, whether they're getting threatened. They just serve God. They do the same thing every day. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this giant 90 foot tall statue. It's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And you know the story. He says, every time you hear the music play, you have to bow down and worship the statue. If you don't, we'll burn you alive. We'll throw you into a fiery furnace. And so you've got people that they don't agree with it. You've got people that it goes against everything they believe. But when push comes to shove, the music hits and they hit the ground and bow down to this statue because they value their own safety. They value their own life and comfort more than they value their commitment to God. Daniel and and Shadrach, they're not like that. They're like, I'd rather die than be a sellout. I'd rather die than be a quitter. I'd rather die than be called a coward. I would rather die than backstab Jesus. And so they're like, hey, let's do this. And so the music hits. Everybody hits the ground, bowing and all this stuff. And and they're like, no, we're not going to do it. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? That thing cost me a fortune. Well, he didn't say that, but he meant it. He said, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Whoa, we're talking to a dude with some issues right here. He is straight up defying God. He's like, I dare you. Your God can't stand up to what I've created. We got people like that in our day and age, powerful people like, man, I dare you. Let's see what your God can do. He can't stand up to me and all that I've got. And so he's just he's walking on some shaky ground right there. You can only do that for so long before it comes back to bite you in the behind. And so here we are. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God's or worship the gold statue you have set up. Only a consistent Christian could say that. I'm, I'm serious. I, no, nobody, there's no way a lukewarm, halfway in and out carnal, there's no way someone like that, that just barely pays any attention to God. When, the, when it came to that, They were all out there on the ground with their face down bowing. That's why they're not in the story. We don't know their names. We don't know what happened to them. I have no idea. But here we have these guys. They said, I would rather die than bow down to that thing. God's going to say, and even if he didn't, I still wouldn't do it. I will never bow down. That is the voice. That's the words of a stable and consistent Christian. And that's why we're reading about them in 2019. Because they made it into the Bible because they were stable and consistent enough to stand up when the fire came. And so you're not going to have the guts to stand up like that if you're a quitter. It won't happen. And so let's look here at verse 19. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious 
with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And it's a bad day when your turban gets burnt and it's still on your head. I don't know from experience, but I've heard stories. That is very unpleasant. And so here they are. They stood up and they still got thrown in because a lot of people are like, wait a minute. I did the right thing and something bad still happened. Forget this. I quit. They, they take off. No, they stuck to their guns all the way in there. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. That's a hot fire right there. If you don't, if, if just getting close to it is enough to kill grown men, that's a blaze that I've never seen the likes of. That is a big deal right there. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell in to the roaring flames. But suddenly, oh, there's those beautiful words, church. But suddenly, but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, wait a minute, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. Woo. If you've got the guts to stand up all the way into the fire, you will not be in that fire alone. Jesus showed up in the fire. That fourth man, that was Jesus. He showed up in the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Mm. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Watch what God can do for someone that's consistent. It may have seemed like all those mornings of getting up early and reading and praying and, and doing all those. It may have seemed like this isn't really paying off. I'm basically just, you know, I, nothing grand. I haven't won the lottery. I haven't, you know, we're still captives to the Babylonians, the, the Israelites. They were not in their homeland. They had been taken captive. We're, we're here. We are. We're still here. It may have seemed like it wasn't paying off. But when the fire came, consistency paid off dividends. They walked out of that place and the whole I mean, the whole nation was just in awe of these guys. And it may seem like well, I'm doing the same thing. I'm getting bored with I'm doing that. No, it's going to pay off. You hang in there. Keep doing it. Keep coming to church. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep forgiving. Keep raising those kids like that. Keep tithing. Keep giving. Keep serving. Keep doing it. And when the fire comes, when the lions come, when the battle comes, you're going to walk out of that thing and you will walk out and not even smell like smoke. And the story of Daniel, you see that it says not a hair on his head was touched. He wasn't even scratched. And in this story, it says their hair wasn't, their clothes, they didn't even smell like it. This tells me that when I'm faithful to God, he's so faithful to me that I may go through the storm. I may go through the battle, but I'll come out. And you can't even tell that I was in it. No sign. People are just like, you went through that. You don't even smell like smoke. You don't, you don't even have a scratch on you. There's no way. Yeah, I did. I, I went through that. I went through that situation and God brought me out. Because God has such a way of protecting his people that they make it through and they don't, you don't even tell that they had been through that battle. Man, that's awesome right there. Let's look at Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, because I got to fit this verse in at every opportunity. Try to, uh, anyway, Isaiah 43 and verse 2. 
Is anybody getting anything tonight? I mean, I'm just talking about being stable. I'm just talking about being consistent. Showing up when no one else wants to and shooting those free throws. Waking up early. Raising your kids that way when nobody else thinks it's... I'm telling you, consistent people. Oh my gosh, they're the best. So Isaiah 43, verse 2. And, and this kind of ties in with what we just saw in Daniel. It says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. That's good news right there. I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That's a promise from God's word. And if you're, if you're, man, if you're staying faithful to God, if you're living for the Lord, you have every right to claim that verse in your life. Oh, I, I may go through deep waters, but it's okay. God's with me. I may go through rivers of difficulty. I'm not going to drown. I may walk through the fire of oppression, but I'm not going to be burned up. The flames aren't going to consume me. Why? Because I stick so close to Jesus that he's in the river with me. I stick so close to Jesus, he's in the fire with me. I've got nothing to be scared about. That's a promise from God. And if you're a stable, consistent Christian, you know this and you live this. And when the battle comes, you're, 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 you're years ahead of the, years ahead of the attack. You're so ready for it. And the third thing that I'm going to say about, about being stable and consistent is this. This is our salute to consistent folks. They have stable families, stable households. Now, that may not seem like a lot to you, but that's my whole world right there. To have a stable, blessed household, that's my whole world. And I'm hopefully for you that means something. But I realize that if my children see me be inconsistent and unstable, and the way that I serve God, it's going to affect the way that they serve God. It's going to have an impact on how they see God. If they see me sometimes serving God, sometimes showing up at his house, but sometimes not, sometimes telling lies, sometimes not. If they see me some, if they see me in and out 50-50, that's going to seriously do something to how they end up serving God. Now, there's a lot of things that I'm not real great at. I'm not super good at working on cars. A lot of you guys, you know that. You help me out a lot. You know, I'm not real good at, at you know, I'm not a great mathematician. I'm, I'm not the best with computers. Uh, there's a lot of things I just flat out, I'm not that good at. I'll try them, but I'm not that good at. But there's one thing that I've got to be good at. I have got to consistently serve God, if not for my own sake, for the sake of my wife and my children. They've got to have that solid rock. You've got to be that to your to your children, to those in your to, if it's, if, to your wife, to, to, to your husband, whatever it is. You you've got to be consistent, man, because if they see that you don't really mean it. If they see that you promise things, but you didn't really mean it or or uh, they're going to see God the exact same way. I heard Kenny Gatlin, who preaches here every about every September. He was talking about a story. He told his son, said, on your birthday, we're going to the store. Pick whatever bike you want out. And he had only seen the $59 bikes on the bottom rack. He hadn't really ever looked up. But he said they got to the store, and his son's looking around. And his son looks up and sees, you know, the $150 bike or whatever the case is. And his son says, oh, that's the one I want. And, his, and all of a sudden, Pastor Kenny, he's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know those existed. But I promised him for a whole year that on his birthday, we'd get here and he could pick any bike. I, and I told him several times, any bike, you pick it out and it's yours. Cause he, and so he said he had a chance here. Well, I could say, well, I, I didn't mean those. I meant these ones. He could go that route or he could say, you know what? I promised, and yeah, that's, yeah, man, that's the bike. I could be happy for him, and I could buy that bike that I promised for a whole year. If I change my mind, if I go back on my promise, what's my son going to do with Psalm 37, 4 that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, unless the desire of your heart's 
something real big and nice, something real great. What, 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 what's my son going to do with all these verses where God promises to do great things for you? If he knows that my dad lies, God probably lies too. God probably doesn't mean it. So he had a, he was at a crossroads. He chose to get the expensive bike. You know, the Bible tells us to swear unto our own hurt. Do you know what that means? That means if you make a promise, even if it ends up hurting you in the end, you keep your word. I've had to do that. I had to, I've had to do that in the last year where I, I promised I would do the job. I promised I would do this. And at the beginning, it seemed like a great idea, but later on, it didn't, wasn't such a great idea, but I put my word out there that I would do this for you. And it hurt and I didn't want to do it. And it started being inconvenient and it started really stinking, but I promised that I would still do it. Kept my word. I showed my kids. I said, you know what, guys? Daddy doesn't want to have to be fulfilling this obligation right now, but I promised these fine people that I would. And so, boys, and I told my boys, that I said, listen, you may find yourself as an adult in a situation where you promised these people that you would complete this mission. You would complete, you committed, maybe it's to, committed to serving in the church in an area. Maybe it's committing to your job for a certain amount of time. And uh, it turns out you didn't really, it's not so fun anymore, but I promised that I would do the job. And it hurt, but I finished it. And I'm telling you, a stable and mature Christian, they get to the place, they keep their word even to the point of it hurting. That's a Bible thing, man. Jesus promised that He'd save your soul. And it hurt bad. Oh, it hurt to go to that cross. But He didn't back out. He didn't quit. And I'm telling you, my, my last little point here is about you and your family and your household. You need to be stable as a Christian for the, for the sake of your household. Well, I'm single. I'm not even married. You will be someday. If you can't, if you can't be consistent as a single lady, you can't be consistent as a single guy, do you realize how much harder it is when you've got a wife and four kids? <laughs> you, you, some of you do. It's a whole lot harder when you've got that pressure on you than it is to be a single guy or a single girl. So you might as well just figure it out right now. Before you bring a bunch of other people into it. Amen. This is a fun topic tonight. All right. And so Deuteronomy chapter six, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through nine. And so we're talking about being stable. And here was God's word to the Israelites on their households and on how they were to raise their children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. And, and man, this is just rock solid for you today. You've got to get this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Not half-heartedly, not conveniently when you feel it. Wholeheartedly. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. When you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. What was he saying? He was telling the people of Israel, this is how you raise your children, people. You repeat the word of God to them over and over again. When you're on the road, when you're at home. When you're, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, write them on your doors, write them on the gates. Keep the word of God consistently in front of your children and parents, grandparents. Take advantage of car time, man. Now I'm just getting practical. Take advantage of the car time. Talk about the Bible with your kids when you're in the car. Make up games. Sometimes I'll do that. I'll make up little Bible quiz games. You do that, nerd alert. Yeah, I do that, man. I want, I want them to get the Bible in their hearts. I'll make up games and, and give them points for answering the right. But, but listen to me. 
It worked for these guys. It said, repeat them again and again. Well, what if they're going to get bored of that? No, they're not. The word's going to get into their heart. Write it on your doors. I've got a plaque right outside of my door from Joshua. And it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now that works as two great things. It teaches my children every time we walk in, this house serves the Lord. And when the Jehovah's Witnesses see it, they've got a great head start that I'm not playing games. So, I'm telling you right now, keep the Word of God in front of your children if you want a stable, consistent family. The last verse is 2 Timothy 1.5. 2 Timothy 1.5. And I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. I usually slip a verse or two from the Passion Translation in there. 2 Timothy 1.5. And this is what Paul wrote to Timothy because Timothy... Here he is, and he's being trained up. He has great potential, a young man, and he's going he's gonna to end up being the pastor of the church of Ephesus. He's going to be a powerful part of church history, huge part. But look at this, 2 Timothy 1.5, again, this is the Passion Translation. It says, as I think of your strong faith, Timothy, that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. Timothy, here he is. He's, he, he's, a, he's a third generation Christian. And it makes no mention of his dad or grandpa. So he was raised up by godly women, as we see so often in our modern day. So many dads have just dropped the ball. But Timothy's a fine example of a man that was raised up from a godly grandma and mom and ended up pastoring the church of Ephesus. One of the most amazing churches of the New Testament. And they were also very stable and consistent. Paul spent a lot of time there. They were stable and consistent. Why? Because they, they had a young man. He was young, but he knew how to be consistent. He knew how to keep his word. He knew how to show up. He knew how to be a stable Christian. And so tonight, as we kind of wrap all this in here, tie it all together, it's a salute. It's a shout out to consistent people. And I'm telling you, you all are doing a fine job. And and I want to remind you, though, that you stick with it. Don't give up. Keep doing the fundamentals even if it's not that exciting, even if you're in the dry season, brother, open the Bible and read. Dig. Get in there. Dig for the truth. Dig for God's Word. And watch what happens. Because you may not know it right now, there may be an attack around the corner. And when the enemy shows up, you are locked and loaded and ready to go with that two-edged sword. And you're going to fight him off like it's nothing. And you're going to be standing in victory at the end of the fight, because you were consistent. Amen? Let's go ahead and close out there tonight. That's a good ending. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.